Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello again, fellow Evertonians, and welcome back to another edition of the Top of Whip podcast, our second of a summer that the odd smattering of off-the-field drama notwithstanding had been fairly quiet, but as the new season approaches, things seem to be hotting up a little bit. It's definitely been too quiet on the transfer front, but Everton have finally signed another player to add to James Tarkowski, and it seems from reports circulating prior to us recording that more could be in the works with the new season just 11 days away. We've had a couple of somewhat alarming preseason games in the United States and possibly some glimmers of hope from Sunday's friendly at Blackpool. And all the while, of course, the issues around the ownership, stewardship and future direction of the club have been bubbling away in the background. Paul and I are back and we're delighted to welcome Andy Howard back uh, to have a natter about it all. How's life treating you, Andy, since we last spoke? Very well, thank you. Yeah, not too bad at all. I've been to see the golf at St Andrews and now I'm uh, at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So busy but plenty of good sport to watch Absolutely. and to, to listen to. <laughs> apart, apart from Everton, obviously, which continues to be a, a, a constant conundrum in my life. Uh, yes, I think you speak for all of us there. <laughs> uh, Paul, how's tricks? Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, I've also seen a bit of sport, but well, just one sport really. been watching a lot of cricket this summer. So I've been on a little tour. I went to Dublin to watch cricket in, in New Zealand. Um New Zealand, Ireland. I went to Belfast to watch New Zealand. I'm off to Scotland this uh, Edinburgh this weekend to watch Scotland, New Zealand, and then off to uh, off to Den Haag in Netherlands next week to watch uh, Netherlands, New Zealand. So that's quite a lot of uh, that's quite a lot of New Zealand cricket, at least anyway. <laughs> I've been watching this last uh, few weeks or so, and the next week or so. So that's been a, a nice distraction. Um, and yeah, and then yeah, so I'll stumble forward towards the new season with a little bit of trepidation. But then Everton do that, don't they? They they draw you back in. They, <laughs> Blackpool and wow, they're the other score too. Wow, look, <laughs> we're signing players. It's, 
going to be great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's strange to think that the season is so close because it feels like the last one only finished like last week. I mean, yeah, it's 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 been a quick summer. Um, but I suppose let's just dive into the transfer stuff straight away because that seems to be where um, all the news is. Um, as you say, as I say, there's been movement on that front now with obviously the news that. Ruben Vinagra, I guess that's how you pronounce it, has been secured on a one-year loan from Sporting with an option to buy. Um, I confess until I looked at some YouTube highlights, I knew nothing about this fella really, even though it seems he played against us twice uh, in his Wolves days. Um, Nevertheless, it's cover uh, at left back or left wing back, depending on how um, Frank wants to play him. Um, And I mean, he looks pretty good going forward. So how do we feel about this one? I'm happy enough with it myself. I mean, it's it's a position we needed to cover. I mean, I, I'm, we have to assume that spells the end for um, for Niles and Cuckoo. Um, it obviously doesn't seem to be a lot of faith in him to be that um, the, that, that that cover for left back, which is a bit surprising. Maybe not surprising right now, but certainly surprising from the way he started his Everton career um, under Carlo Ancelotti, and he was he, he was given a lot of faith. Really impressed in a few of them cup games, etc. But obviously hasn't done enough since. Um, but so it's obviously a position that needed addressing. I don't know much about him myself, Lyndon. Um, I, I've, um, yeah, similar. Just read up a little bit about him before. It seems like a bit of a like marauding um, left back, which I suppose is a bit of a, a different option to uh, to Mikalenko. Um, perhaps not a more attacking option. So. Um, yeah, it's good cover. It's good. It's good. It's good to have an option. I'm a bit confused by the signing. Did what well, he, he signed from Sport on, from uh, from he went from Wolves to Sport on Lisbon on a permanent transfer. Now he's been loaned straight to Everton with an option to buy. Is that is that yeah. kind of long and short of it? So within the space of three weeks, yeah, or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a bit confusing. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some sort of a method in the madness. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a positive for me. It's certainly uh, it's it's a signing and. Uh, I suppose not the most pressing position which needed filling, but a position which needed filling nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, can't complain on being alone. Certainly can't complain. We haven't we haven't really spent much, if any, money on it really. So, yeah, all good for me. I think it just to me, it's a it's a savvy bit of business. It's somebody who's played in the Premier League. It's somebody who is um, relatively experienced. And can probably be put straight into the team or straight into the squad, and could do a job for us. I think with with Nkunku, even though he looked electric at times, I think there must have been um, a reluctance to use him because of his defensive ability. That's how what, what I read into it. And if we are in this scenario at the moment, which we are, um, where we kind of needed a we, we need a, a bit more of a trusted cast list. I think um, players who we know can be mid-table Premier League players. Um, I, I think it just screams um, a good bit of business. Like, you know, like Paul just said, it was. It, there's hardly any money going on it. Um, it's either cover for Mikalenko or it might see Mikalenko drop inside to play at centre-half on the left-hand side, if potentially as well. So it gives us options. And, um, yeah, I mean, well, what I will say is, you know, I think a lot of, fans at the moment seem to be getting kind of quite het up about the order in which we're doing things. You know, do we need a left back as much as we need a central midfielder? Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, no, we don't. But 
I think we, we we can't we're not in the kind of um, we're not in a position to dictate when when deals happen in the order deals happen at the moment because of our, yeah. our, our where we are in the food chain. You know, we we are reliant on other clubs putting players up and wanting to to get rid of them at a certain point. What the, what what that says to me that Vinagra deal is Everton. Well, you would hope, God, you'd hope that any footballing <laughs> mind at the moment. Looking at the Everton squad, would realise we need one or two midfielders. What the Vinagra deal says to me is we've also got budget for cover at left back, and that's the one we're going to do now because that's the one that's available now. That says to me there will be more signings coming because I mean that that's what it says to me. And I I think on on the face of it, like you guys, I'm I, I apart from him, I knowing he played for Wolves for a bit, I, I didn't know too much about him, but you know, I I think we've got to look at it as as um, it's just a, a bit of uh, gap filling um, for the moment. And I, what that means for Nkunku, I don't know, but I, I would be shocked if he was still about now. Yeah. No, I think you're 100% right on pretty much everything you said right there. It doesn't matter what order we, we sign them in as long as we get enough bodies in before the uh, before the season starts. And, and it's it does seem to me, um, you know, given how we've had to sort of drop down our target list um, to secure some players, is that we are, as you said, looking at bodies um, over, you know, the, the kind of quality that we'd like in order to, to, to give ourselves a footing, as you say, just to stay in, to stay in the league. And then, you know, we'll, we'll worry about, worry about next season, hopefully if we've got more budget um, or maybe even January. Um, what it says for Nkunku, I think, um, you know, a couple of managers have, have kind of run the rule over him and maybe Marcel Brands agreed, but and that's why he was sent out on loan. He looks incredible going forward, but defensively he looks suspect to me. And that was the case um, in uh, in the states. There was a, in a couple of moments where he was badly exposed at left back. Um, I think it led led to one of the goals, one of the Arsenal goals. Um, and so I think, yeah, he'd make. I think as I put on Twitter, I think he'd make a cracking winger, but I don't think he's ready by any stretch. Um, you know, to, to to start as a at left back or even fill in reliably at left back. So, um, I think this this Finagra deal is a no brainer from that perspective because it's a loan. Um, it's a foreign loan, which means it doesn't take up one of our two Premier League slots. Um, we have an option to buy if it works out. So, you know, it's great from my perspective. If if you know if 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 he work if he's as good as as he looks in some of his YouTube clips. Yeah, can't argue that. And just pick up something Andy said, which yeah, the obvious, but I didn't really think of is uh, yeah, Premier League, Premier League experience as well. Plenty of games in the Premier League, so he knows what it's about. So uh, yeah, yeah, um, it's uh, might even get a look at him on Friday, I suppose, in the in the Kiev game. You imagine you'll mm-hmm. you get on the pitch with the foot. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's one we needed to do. And um, Dwight McNeil looks very likely to be another, does he not? It just seems seems like that's quite quite imminent from 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 all accounts. I think I saw a picture of him posing posing in his Everton shirt outside Finch Park from like, like you know just uh, somebody taking a sneaky pic through a window. It's been shared on Twitter or something. Um, yeah, there's always a leak. There's always a leak now, isn't there? It's like you can't really get anything done. <laughs> Wouldn't be having them without, would it? But um, yeah, yeah. That's um, what. What do you fellas think of that signing? Should they assume it goes ahead? I think it's a good one. Um, he's a player that we wanted what year or two years ago now. Um, yeah, it, it, last, it was, last summer, I thought. Last summer, yeah. and I think when when Burnley last had a good run in the Premier League, I think he was really central to that. Um, and I think it's 
it's a good signing in a in in a lot of ways, but the main one for me is that he is a a wide player that crosses the ball. And if we are, you know, Dominic Carvert Lewin has had a, a, um, his best moments as a footballer when he's had players in wide positions crossing the football. It's not necessarily rocket science. I think Carlo Ancelotti kept it really, really simple. Mm-hmm. Kept him in the kept him in the penalty area and got wide wide deliveries into him. And we haven't done that really since, to be honest. Um, and I think Dwight McNeil is someone who's capable of crossing a ball over from a set piece, or or, or you know, we've, he's done it against us, hasn't he? From from, from wide, um, putting some beautiful ball. I remember one at Goodison that um, should have resulted in a goal last year. So I think it's a good good signing. He's a good age. He has the resale value that we all love. Um, love to talk about resale value, and and I think it's um it, it, it screams that Burnley were maybe prepared to let him go on a deal that suited Everton rather than the other way round, which might be the problem with Corne, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it, um, and we can probably play in instalments, I would imagine, which is what what we've got to do. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't really see I don't really see a downside to the deal. I mean. The poor lad's been playing for Burnley for a few years. I mean, as an attack, <laughs> yes, exactly. as an attacking footballer, I can't imagine anything worse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he might be someone that we see. Hopefully, we are still slightly better than Burnley, um, and, and hopefully, he can kind of grow with us. Really, I think it's a good signing if it happens. Yeah, that's exactly what I. That was, those are my thoughts exactly. Um, he's obviously a lot's been made of the fact that his that last season he he had a bit of a dip in form, um, but but certainly from a from a, uh, a price perspective, I mean, I think that when we were looking at him, you know, a year ago or two years ago, whenever it was, that there was figures of about thirty million being quoted, um, and perhaps this this new fee is reflective of the fact that a Burnley have gone down and, and need to raise some cash, and b that yes, he has had a bit of a um, a bit of a dip in form. Um, but as you say, he's young. Um, there's plenty of, uh, of room for growth there. Uh, and particularly we can see how, a bit like Tarkovsky really, how he will fare in a team that likes to get it on the deck a bit more and pass it around. I mean, we obviously weren't that much better than Burnley last season, but you know, obviously the goal is this season to be better than, than both Burnley were and we were last season. Um, and so... Yeah, as you say, he 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 likes to deliver, deliver the ball into the box, um, and that's going to be great for 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 Calvert Lewin, who, as things stand, is our really our only striking option. So I'm hoping there's a something else in the in the pipeline in that respect. Um, I, I view him a bit like um, a bit like Anthony Gordon, but with a bit more of um you know of a, of a Premier League um, CV behind him. He's always got you know that that cracking goal that he scored at Goodison. I think it was behind closed doors and that. Um, when Ancelotti was in charge, and we lost the home to Burnley, and they just Burnley just you know wiped the floor with us that night, and he was great that night. Um, and so, if, if he can recapture some of that, um, you know, in, a, in as I say, in a in a team that's that's prepared to move the ball around on the, on the deck a lot more, then uh, hopefully he can actually um, surprise a few people this season. Yeah, it's, it's stats concern me. I've got, I mean, as, as you said, Andy, he has been playing for Burnley. It's not an easy team. It's not an easy uh, team to create create goals in. I don't think. You know what I mean? But like last game, last season, thirty eight games, one assist. That's all. Season before, thirty six games, two goals, one one of them a screamer, a good as soon as you said, and then five assists, which took me saying bad. 
Um, now we've we've said this before about say for Charleston, and you can say like uh, you know his performance. People might look at his stats, for example, go, oh, "Well, is he as good as you guys, as you Evertonians think he is?" And you know when you see him in the flash, you you see how much more you get out of a Charleston. I had this argument with a bad mate of mine until literally blue in the face at <laughs> the, the weekend in in Belfast. And, um, but um, anyhow, yeah, I think I remember watching him at the start of last season. This was at that time. It was probably the window was maybe just about to open or or just shut. I'm not too sure, but there was a lot of talk about um, potentially signing uh, Dwight McNeil last um, last summer. I remember watching um, and Demar Demar Gray had just signed, and he was in really really hot form at the very beginning of the season. And I remember watching. He glides across the pitch very well, um, uh, Dwight McNeil. He's a very, he's, he's very good. You know, he's very, very good dribbler. Very, you know, very, very calm on the ball. I think. And, and watching them both, obviously playing for opposite teams, I thought I'd love both of them in the same team. Yeah, I mean, at that time we we're talking about about as you say about thirty million quid for Dwight McNeil. Um, but he's looking at the stats last season as well. Half of that, I suppose, was without Chris Wood, wasn't it? It was probably his main main catalyst mm-hmm. for you know for like uh, getting the ball into the box. So. Yeah, I think from what I've seen of him, he's a good player. But I'm a little, I'm a little concerned by the stats. That's uh, that, that's that's probably the only caveat I would say. But in the, the the market we're in, the sort of players we're looking to buy, the bargain basements we're looking at, it's 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 probably it's probably as good as we're going to get, really, isn't it? I think so. Hard uh, hard to complain. Um, and I think if you look at that value, it was it could come to well, will come to fifteen million quid when when it's finally finally paid or whatever. And Demari Gray for one point seven, and Anthony Gordon for three. It's three pretty good wingers for about combined total about seventeen million quid if you look at that one. And Townsend, I suppose, if you, if you look and at Townsend, that. Townsend, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah. yeah, can't complain. Well, I think like Richarlison, he's he's a player that because he is, um, as you say, he, he's he's mobile and uh, and he can he can actually quite tricky on the ball, and that's the kind of players who make things happen just by scaring the wits out of defenders. So if he if he does things like that, then I think he could be um, he could be a very useful um, useful addition. Uh, it, it would seem that maybe Cornet was our first choice, and certainly he's, he's Cornet's obviously got more goals output. I think he scored about nine in. 25 26 um, appearances for Burnley so obviously he's got much better um much better goals return um but yeah i mean the, the, we've we've clearly seen something in him so uh, fingers crossed um I wonder and if he then leaned, so i just wonder if he leaned on and james james Tarkovsky as well for a little bit of input and i wonder and maybe yeah i mean does that you know yeah what you know what's he like i don't you know, the, you know i'm sure they got the stats in they, they analyze these things to death these days i'm sure they got all the information but yeah you know you can you can just get that little bit of intel or what's he like is it yeah is he a good character would he fit in he does seem to be dwight mcd he does seem like yeah mm. like a pretty good lad so like uh should fit in should fit in quite nicely i think so yeah yeah. And two and two other things whilst we're on that subject. You mentioned he played thirty eight games last season. Yeah, I think right. That, that's a big plus. Oh, that yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. There's a fit. We like them. Um, and <laughs> having having played for Burnley for um, how many years has he been there? Two, three years. I mean, he will have an understanding of shape. He will have an understanding of defensive duties as well. And let's be honest, we're we're <laughs> we're not going to be. Um, outplaying everybody this year. So I think that little bit of experience in the Premier League at fitting to a shape and sticking to it um, is bound to do him and us good, I think. Um, a bit like, you know, we've seen Anthony, Anthony Gordon develop in that way, haven't we? Where, you know, he mm-hmm. does as much going backwards as he does going forwards, maybe a bit too much sometimes. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that McNeil could do that as well. 
that's a good observation. And yeah, look at that. It was, 30, it was 38 games this season, 36 a season before, and 36 a season before that. So yeah, very, very, very available. That's a really good point. Yeah. Wow. What's in the what's in the water in Burnley? Kantarkowski, <laughs> who's, yeah, who's yeah. had similar similar appearance uh, appearance record. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that that will hopefully address um, you know the wide positions. As I say, I think we definitely need to be looking at another striker or another some kind of goal scoring forward. Um, you know, to to properly re- replace Richarlison and, and obviously provide cover for uh, for Calvert Lewin. And then obviously, I think the position that fans have been banging on about for years and now Frank Lampard has been making frequent references to this summer is obviously defensive midfield and there's been a couple of links that have been thrown up in the last few days um the first one uh was Rodriguez um at Real Betis another player who again I confess I don't know much about but certainly um from what I've from what I've heard from sort of like uh, some of the Spanish observers um like Anna Fahili um who's obviously on the, the Blue Room podcast um, he's spoke highly of him. Um, so it, it seems as though Betis need money as much as, you know, some of the, uh, some of the teams around us need money and maybe, um, receptives to a sale. Um, but well, yeah. Anyone know anything about him? About as much as you've had. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think about the same, <laughs> so yeah, same like couple of tweets about him. So, uh, yeah. Um, hopefully that's a good source and the, yeah, and the other one I've had before, which seems to come up every summer, but um, maybe perhaps a bit more concrete, address a guy, uh, yeah. making a, a possible return. Now, uh, that would be quite stopgap, you assume, just due to his age, if nothing else. But you're thinking if, if, if he's, say, and this is all hypotheticals, we don't know, but if he's deemed surplus to requirements, say, at PSG, and is available at his age on a loan or for free or low cost, then... It's probably not a bad idea. We know how fit Luke um, uh, Jesse Gay is. Um, one of the fittest players you've probably ever seen. Um, certainly in an Everton shirt in the last 10 years or so. Um, no doubt that for me, if you get him, just to, knowing it's a short-term thing for like two years or something like that, then represents a no-brainer really for me. Um, yeah, we've never replaced him, Jesse Gay. Um, we tried to, obviously, with a good batman. Um, but obviously injuries curtailed that. Um, yeah, he's been a big, been a big hole in that midfield for a long time. Um, now, you're never really a fan of going back, but if that's if that's an option for a very you know low cost, quick win for a year or two until we're able to identify a big replacement, then I'd be excited by that. Love that player. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I know nothing about Rodriguez either, um, apart from what I've seen on Twitter this week. Um, so I can't confess anything there. All I know is that the the kind of fees that were going along with a potential sale of Rodriguez from Betis was probably something that Everton couldn't entertain anyway, was was my mm-hmm. thought. I mean, it was, was it 40 million euros, 35 million euros? I mean, that's, and that's, that's heavily structured. I mean, I don't think we'll even be in that market anyway, personally, however good he is. Um, but with Adrissa Gay, I mean, again, no brainer for me. I mean, if, if he would entertain coming back, having had all the experience of being PSG. Um, we've seen the likes of Gareth Barry do that um, at a similar age, um, probably a little bit younger than that. Um, mm. I just think, you know, I just think that becomes a no-brainer if we can get a deal for Adrissa Gay done because um, he would be <laughs> the player that we've never replaced. Um, typical Everton that we replace him with the same player. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> 
Admi- no. Admission of defeat. <laughs> yeah, we've had a look and we can't find anybody, so we're going to have to go back again. Um, to me, that would be a great deal. And, and, and I think it would probably have to be on loan for not, for not much. Um, but he is exactly what the midfield needs. And yeah, he's getting on, but um, maybe with, with age, he would, he's probably um, clever enough to adapt his game a little bit like Gareth Barry did in terms of he may not be the charging around Adrissa Gay that we saw five years ago. Um, he might, you know, be a bit more older and wiser than that. But yeah, to me, I mean, he's, he's, he's a superb player, wasn't he? Um, so um, if it's him, then that's great. If if we can get, a, I, again, I don't know, the, I don't know the player, but if, if Everton are entertaining spending that amount of money on a player, it simply has to be the one that's in that position, doesn't it? You know, if, if mm-hmm. there is, if there is any leeway for us to go and actually spend proper money this season, this preseason, I think we all agree probably that you know if let's chuck it on a holding midfielder um, because that's the one position that could unlock all the rest really. Um, so yeah, um, either of them. <laughs> yeah, it's such an important position, I and mean, we we saw that in the preseason games. I mean, particularly the one in the states. I mean, the, you know, they just it just brought back the the worst memories from last season of teams just streaming through the middle you know that that big void um you know for, with all we can wish for it as much as we want but tom davis is never going to be the answer in that position um and so you know even uh, a 32 going on 33 year old adrissa gay who's you know maybe not even at the peak of his powers is still better than anything else we have there um Gabamin's a, a different profile of player i think he's more of the um the sort of tidy on the ball just just distribute the ball kind of whole, you know, number six, whereas obviously Gay is more of the defensive type, which I think, you know, we need something. We need someone back there screening the, the back four or the back three or, or whatever it's going to be. Um, and so, as you say, if, if it is to be him, then I think the, the, the financial aspect of it is something that will work for us. It will be cheap. It will be, you know, a very, very low fee. And, you know, with, with the business that we've done to date, having not really spent anything, um, it, it does open up, you know, the possibility of, of bringing in perhaps one more player in that position, um, or you know, spending a bit more to get someone up front in the forward areas to to provide the goals. Because I think those are the two, the two key areas now that that need to be addressed before, certainly before the window, but you know, hopefully before the season actually starts. I can. Mean- Sorry, go on, Andy. No, I was just going to say. I mean, it would probably for me, it would have to be either of those two. Plus another midfielder, really, you know, yeah. um, maybe slightly different profile, but um, for me, it'd have to be two. That's the way I've been thinking because because if Gay gets injured, then you're back to <laughs> yeah. you're back to the position you were in before, an unreliable kind of untried Gabamin, and uh, you know Tom Davis. Who, who again, I just I just don't think he's going to make it in that in that position at this level. Yeah, well, you're asking, I don't know, or you're asking like Lewis Warrington to step up maybe or something like that. If that's mm-hmm. the case, I don't know. But I think though, yeah, assuming Gay doesn't get injured, that's a bit of an assumption. But if if um if if, if he's fit, he's he's not even pretty fit and available. I don't recall him getting too many injuries most of the time. He was here. He was here. Um, do you, do you then perhaps get a little? Is it? Am I just being really hopeful and wishful? And it, would you then start getting a little bit more out of Tom Davis and Alan and Decore if uh, if you got Gay there? protecting behind them a little bit or, or or are we at the point where we've seen what all these lads can do and we know 
their capabilities and limitations. Are, are any of them capable? I'm not so sure any of them are really capable of improving, really. Um, I don't know. The, the core, I thought the season before last, the um, I thought he was he was a breath of fresh air, brilliant. For last season, I, I'd never, I don't think I could recall a player being so up and down, like in terms of like, a great game and then awful like uh from you know from from game to game it was really um very hit and miss and then the last couple of seasons he's had pretty lengthy injuries as well the core and i think mm-hmm. one of the things things that is fitness and with injuries comes lost form you know what i mean um so alan getting on i think it's, it's the main thing I wish we'd have had alan five years ago uh to replace guy you know what i mean um uh but um yeah he's yeah he's getting on now really and tom davis He's come back from a long, from a pretty, probably his most serious injury he's ever had, and yeah, you know, we all want Tom to to to, to do well, obviously, but I think it's fair to say he hasn't really kicked on, has he? I love it, and in the time, you know, what I mean, he's been there, he's had enough enough opportunities, and we'd love him to sort of come in and play well. And I do have a soft spot for Tom Davis, but yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we do need, uh, do maybe we do need another player in there. I think if it is just. I don't know if it's just a few players we can sign. Though it, it kind of has to be, in my opinion, that one, that one defensive mid, that winger, and we definitely need a striker. Um, mm. I think we can probably muddle through a little bit in um, in midfield, just about. But if we get a dressy guy or similar, but um, we'll need another striker for sure. It's too much on the, it's, it's too much on um, Dominic Carver Lewin and uh, not good enough backup in Rondon when Dominic Carver Lewin's not available. So we, we certainly need um, that's something that that they need to address surely be the, the big one really yeah I mean I think a proper DM would free both Dukure and Alan up to be the players that I think they they can be I don't think either one of them is is a number six you know I think we we thought Alan would be that but he's he's just he's much better you know moving the ball forward you know he's um he's way, actually weighed in with some some really nice assists in and around the box so he is um you know he, he's kind of a player who I think is underrated going forward but perhaps we overrated him in terms of his ability to be that kind of screen in front of the back four. Um, you know, Decore is his greatest asset, obviously, is just his ability to get get around the pitch. Um, but again, he's not really the, a, a true sort of, you know, the terrier in front of the back four in the way that, that, that Gay is. Um, and again, I mean, we know we've, we've sort of, we've talked about Gabamin, uh, it seems like Andre Gomez really is. They're trying their best to get him out the door, and which I mean, that would honestly be the best for all parties because uh, he's <laughs> he's such a liability as a as a defensive midfielder, and he's in the three seasons, four seasons. How long has he been with it? He has absolutely almost no offensive production. Um, so it, it just seems a no brainer if we can just try and get him out the door. Um, it would free up you know something in the something potentially even if it's a small fee and obviously to get his i think he's on 100 and either 100k or 120k we should get those off the of the books as well it would as i say be a win-win for everyone yeah i see i do see the the correct number six if that's what we're calling it these days um i do see that as as, as a way of improving everybody really because mm-hmm. we don't have the skill set to do it um and yet we're kind of asking Alan to do it a little bit and Decore maybe to be a bit more positionally aware than he normally would be um you know and positional awareness is not Tom Davis's strength either I mean if you saw one of those Minnesota goals he actually vacated the 20 yards of space he had to be in during that during that attack um which led to a goal I mean yeah I think it I think it might be a, a one signing that actually unlocks 
two or three more positions in terms of okay, well, we if if he plays there, then actually everybody else starts to look a little bit more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, and um, I mean, I, I wasn't well. I, I don't know whether we we're going to bring up Ross Barkley tonight, but um, <laughs> we have now. <laughs> we have just throw that grenade in and run. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've just, I've just the noise of everyone just turning off the podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the, um, his uh, Instagram feed is going doing the rounds in terms of him unarchiving Everton photos. Oh, really? Yes. So I saw that he liked something to do with the stadium, which I thought, as a sort of as, as a boyhood Evertonian, would make sense. Um, I didn't read too much into it, but it certainly is a name that, that keeps popping onto my timeline. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I don't know. I don't quite know how the um, the fo- what the photos were doing, but apparently, the, there are pictures of him in, Ever- in an Everton kit now back on Instagram that weren't there before. What, uh, read into that what you will. Um, but uh, yes, maybe that's the whole podcast in itself. But um, yeah, that's another option. It seems in that midfield. It's a name which yeah. it's a name which won't go away. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it, well, it's because he's available. Yeah, yeah, it's that's because true. he's available, and Chelsea would let him go either for sale or on loan at the drop of a hat, and that's why you know it's, it's an easy one. <laughs> it's an easy, a lot of easy connections. He's he's worked yeah. with Lampard before, ex Everton, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, I don't know where he'd. Can he be any worse than Andre Gomez? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, he'd be play. He'd be played in a, in a different role. Obviously, he'd be more yeah. of an attacking midfielder. But I think he would have he would have more production than an Andre Gomez. I mean, he's a, an incredibly frustrating player, um, incredibly erratic player. But obviously, you know, he's he's got a goal in him. He's got a, a defense splitting pass in him. He's also got the Andre Gomez give it away in front of the back four, <laughs> you know, in him. Um, but it's just the thing about Barkley is it, it's another one of these. And obviously, in a different way to just a gay, it's a you know going back for an older player. You know, it sort of screams Francis Jeffers coming back. Um, you know, a player who we were quite happy to see leave and then came back and and didn't didn't cut it. Um, there's the whole obviously there's the, there's the circumstances around the way that he left, the amount of money that he cost us by hemming and hawing over moving to Chelsea. I mean, it's just you know from a from a um, a fan relationship standpoint, it's not the greatest idea but if he comes in for free on a loan it's another body and you know would i would i hate it no would i welcome it probably not so much but (laughs) i suppose the problem with the loan there is that that takes away any other loan from chelsea doesn't it is it down to one per season from one club correct yeah oh is that right but it does seem as though the the sort of the billy gilmore talk has has quietened a bit because i I think the consensus is that he is again not the kind of number six that we need. We need someone who's really mobile and really, you know, sort of robust. Whereas he is a very tidy player, like Harry Winks, you know, the same kind of profile. Um, again, a useful player to have if you've got those that defensive midfield piece already in place, which obviously we don't, um, and we're having to sort of maximize our, our business. Um, as much as possible to make it as, as sort of targeted as possible. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, if it was like, I don't know, Ross Barkley on loan or Brozier on loan, for example, you'd obviously have to take Brozier. I know, I know it's never as, as clear cut on black and white as that. Like, But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. 
It's, it's where he plays for me. I don't know. Is he? Did he take one of them sort of midfield positions? I mean, we've got we've got Deli Ali. Don't forget as well. I mean, where's well, this um, is the you know, thing exactly. So, I mean, competition replacer of Deli Ali and Iwobi. I mean, you know, who you, you'd hope would be more central this season, mm-hmm. a bit more than right right wing back. Um, so I don't know. Is is it a requirement? You know, I mean, it's you know, I don't. I mean, I, I, if if we didn't have Deli Ali, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's worth a go, sure. But like because we have got Deli Ali, I don't really see the Sydney needs to have Barkley as well. And I've got personally, not from really against Ross Barkley. I think there was a little bit of stitch up to the way it all happened. I don't want to get into the sort of, you know, the, the way he left Everton too much because it's a bit emotive. But um, I don't think he deserves all the stick he gets every time. I think, I think it's been a bit over the top. A lot of the, um, the stick he's got, I've been a bit shocked by it at times with Eric Goodison. Um, at, you know, in other, in other circumstances, I'd, I'd welcome him back for sure. But right now, I don't think it's what we need because we've got Deli Ali. Uh, it seems a bit um, underworldly. So it just seems a bit unnecessary. You know what I mean? Um, in terms of like, supporters, we've seen him with Rooney. Imagine, remember what it was like with Rooney and, you know, he'd come back, he was welcome mm-hmm. back. Supporters forgive. Yeah. If, you know, you see that you're going to come in and work. Supporters get over it. It's, yeah, so I'm not too concerned about that. I just don't think it's a requirement. That's the that's yeah, one that baffles me a bit. Um. Unless it was some sort of like Chelsea, like you say, Chelsea's just like, yeah, look, we just want, we just want to get rid of him. We just want him off the box. He's having for free, you know, whatever, you know. Which is quite probably the case to be honest. They just want him off yeah. the wage bill. Um, mm. That may be then, but yeah, doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem that that required to me. There's other other options we should be looking at. Um, I agree. But, yeah, but like, yeah, Brozier though to West Ham, that fell through, didn't it? They signed that, um, forget his name, the Italian striker they've signed, West Ham. So they will be after Brozier now, because that was supposed to be a permanent deal. Um, might bring him back into the market, maybe, maybe back into the reckoning. Um, whether that be loan or permanent, I don't know. I don't know, Everton will be spending £30 million on him, obviously. But um, yeah, I don't know if get him on loan, or some sort of option to buy, maybe, something like that. Well, I mean, we might if we can structure the deal properly and we don't mm. get gazumped by Newcastle because, I mean, Newcastle, I think by the closer the window, the, the end of the window gets, the more they're going to be in, in the hunt for a striker. Um, obviously, they've been linked with Calvert-Lewin, but um, I mean, yeah, I think if we could if we could get Brozier in and maybe that, as I, as I said before, the, the, the sort of maneuverings that we've been doing so far um, and, and, and keeping the outlay on, on, on players to a minimum maybe frees up a bit of a bigger fee a you know, bigger slice of the transfer budget to sort of throw at someone like Brozier later in the window, but uh, I think yeah, if that was to happen, it, it might be um, it might be later. So Newcastle will take Rondon back, and we can take Brozier. <laughs> <laughs> it, let's, can you just can you manifest that, please? <laughs> oh. Oh boy. Um, okay. Any in terms of preseason, any other thoughts on um, the the matches? I, I confess I didn't see the Blackpool one. Um, I was locked out from that one, and, it, and then it turned out it had actually recorded in, in Spanish on one of the Spanish channels over here. But I um, I didn't see the game, but I obviously saw the goals. I saw the um, the ones in the states, and those were um, I think obviously as as concerning as to me as they were to everybody else. But any other thoughts on on those? I mean, I think, again, as he's kind of explained, Lampard's been hamstrung, really, by the players available that he trusts at this particular moment. And that's led to us maybe playing a system that isn't ideal, maybe. Um, 
throughout the the, the preseason, especially against the likes of Minnesota um, and the kind of mismatch of players. I mean, I'm trying not to read too much into it, to be honest. I know when you get beat 4-0 by an MLS team, you kind of have to look at that result and think, wow. But like, it's... Um, it is pre-season. It mm-hmm. is um, it is an opportunity for players to fail, which is probably handy for Frank Lampard um, in some ways. The, you know, the, the way we opened up against Minnesota, I think he's then got enough leverage to say, look, look at what I've got here. We, we desperately need to sort this out, um, which is the, the, the message I got loud and clear from him afterwards. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily see what's happened so far as a bad thing. Um, it might end up being the best thing that could have happened is that we mm-hmm. get our, you know, backside handed to us. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to look, look too much into it. I mean, I, I, I think, um, I think it'll be a very different first five games to the season in in the Premier League than anything we've seen in preseason, really. And hopefully, with a with a different. Set up, you know, one or two different players, and maybe even a different system. Um, so it's 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 so far removed from what I think will be the case come the Chelsea game that I, I'm I don't really see it. I, I'm pleased for Delhi that he got two goals. I'm pleased for Nathan Patterson that he got two assists. I'm pleased mm-hmm. that we played it. We, we, I, there's a there's a forward moving team. We were a little bit better against Blackpool, quite rightly so. So I'm pleased for the individuals, but I, I think beyond that, I, I, I I'm just trying not to read anything into it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think in like three seasons, I've learned by now over the years, there's been some few seasons where we've come in flying, think, oh, here we go, we're going to be brilliant here, and then it's just fallen flat. Mm-hmm. Um, when one under Walter Smith, we had a brilliant few season, ended up being dreadful season. Other times, yeah, I think a couple on the Moyes, which has been like very concerning at pre season, losing a lot of games to like Preston and stuff like that, and then we've come into the season, done perfectly well, you know, so. Um, yeah, it's it's not really anything to to um. I I I I used to go. I used to try and get to quite a few pre seasons. I I don't have much interest in them now. Um, particularly some of the more local ones. I might try and get to one if there's like a little jolly abroad opportunity. But that's yeah, the only times I really kind of go these days. But I haven't really seen much of them. I think I caught the first half of the Arsenal one. Um, saw some calamitous defending and then fell asleep at half time. Didn't see the rest. I didn't. didn't I didn't. <laughs> The, 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 the Minnesota game was three in the morning over here, um, and I woke up to the news that we. Oh, I wonder what the, wonder what the score was, and I think when Everton said, uh, "Oh, Everton on, on Everton's official website," the headline was "Everton defeated." In I thought, "Oh, that doesn't look good." I mean, it, normally the headline <laughs> be something like, "Oh, Everton shaded," or <laughs> like uh, Minnesota yeah. nick it or something like. Well, that doesn't sound too good. That's sort of four 0 I had to joking, and then um, I was traveling back. Um, uh, I was traveling during the during most of the Blackpool games, so I didn't see any of that. But yeah, Echo Andy really, and yeah, the, the last one's good to see Deli Ali score. If you actually one thing I did see from the Minnesota game because um, Red mates uh, sent it to me several times. Deli Ali's miss against oh, Minnesota. Deli's miss, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, I did see that, um, but then also nice to see him score quite quickly in the next game and kind of put that out of his head probably um, a little bit. So. Um, yeah, it's yeah. We'll see if we get on on Friday. I suppose with a bit of a home crowd there, but quite an emotional game, were not it? Against the uh, against KF mm-hmm. um, for obvious obvious reasons. Um, I won't really get. To, I don't think I'll get to see that game either. But I'll try and catch it, uh, see how we do, and just see maybe try and get some some sort of glimpse of the system. I presume we're starting the season three at the back. You would have thought. Seems the most obvious, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah, pray that that number six comes in. I suppose. But yeah, I don't need too much into preseason really. 
Yeah, I um, the second half against um, Arsenal was actually a lot better. How oh, was it? Um, yeah, it was a lot better. It was much more, much more composed. I think Arsenal took their um, took their foot off the pedal a bit, um, but uh, this, we we basically changed the entire team, obviously, for the second half, um, and it was a lot better. Um, one thing I did see, actually, I think it did wake up in like a, a few moment, a few few minutes of that second half. Of Arsenal was it? Um, who was the right back playing? Young right back was it? Stanley Mills. Um, who yeah, looks did good. all right. Yeah, didn't look looks too good. Didn't look too bad. So maybe because. It's still a bit of a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Right back, we still don't really know how much faith there is in uh, Patterson. Uh, we know Coleman's mm-hmm. injured for for a little while, um, you know, and you wouldn't really want Coleman to be playing the bulk of the season again, anyway, really. So with a Wobie, maybe even start the season there, or I don't. You you wouldn't have thought Stanley Mills would begin the season, but yeah, it might be interesting to see how much he uh, how much he gets on the pitch and. You know, if if they if they blow them against uh, whatever whoever we get in the in the in the in the Calabao Cup, say you know what I mean, and and that's normally quite early on, isn't it? So yeah, it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see how he looked. He, he looked all right, I thought. Um, that's kind of all I saw though. I didn't see much other than that, but yeah, might be an option for us at right back if we don't if we don't look and go into the transfer market and that side as well. I think with the five subs rule this season, I think that the the um, that kind of batch of youngsters could actually have a bit more of a season than maybe they would have in previous years. So I actually think it's really heartening to see the likes of, you know, Mills and Welch and, you know, the like Warrington coming through. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if actually, especially if, if, if we don't start too badly, especially if it's, you know, it's, we're not on the back foot from, from the first five games, let's say, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually saw a little bit more of them than we would maybe have expected. Um, because I think that is a Lampard thing, and yeah. he's been reluctant to do it because of the situation we've been in. So, um, if there's an opportunity, I'm sure he'll do it. I didn't factor that in actually. The five subs rule um, because I remember like that, uh, that, that that's come about, and I was a bit sort of like uh, I don't know negative about that really. But mm. yeah, it will surely provide more opportunities for young players uh, because it's, yeah, you got a chance. I don't know if you <laughs> don't know how often Everton are winning the game three 0 but if we are, you know, what I mean? it's, it's a chance to get it's a chance to get them on and um, or get players on and give them game time. It's yeah, it might actually play a big part in their development, I suppose. This fast subs rule, so yeah, that could um, that could make a bit of a difference. That um, yeah, so maybe yeah, might maybe get like young players ready quicker having the five subs available in the Premier League now. So. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get to see a bit more of him and Lewis Robinson. And yeah, he might just get a few more minutes on the pitch than they used to be able to allow, I suppose. Yeah, that could, uh, that could help. The one I've been surprised about is Lewis Dobbin not playing as much. And I would have yeah. thought, I mean, with what we've said about the fact that Everton desperately do need a, a striker, you know, if, if Calvert-Lewin isn't playing. I know he's a completely different player to Calvert-Lewin, but we, we need forward players. Um, I've been surprised... That he hasn't got more minutes in preseason. And I don't know whether there's maybe a reluctance to because I don't know has, have their minds been made up about Dobbin? Does he desperately need maybe a bit more football and a good loan deal? And they're hanging on to him just because well, at the moment we have to um, because there's no one else um, apart from Rondon. I don't know. That's the one I thought. Well, there's a position that we are short and we have a, a good young prospect. Yeah, it seems to be seems to be the consensus is that uh, he's not quite ready. 
um, and that a loan is probably the best thing for him. Um, and so I think from that perspective is is clearly Lampard's obviously seen enough maybe from the tail end of last season and in training that uh, uh, he's probably going to be uh, farmed out on loan. Makes sense. Yeah, makes, yeah. makes perfect sense. I guess the other thing that uh, that has been sort of rumbling on in the last uh, couple of weeks is obviously the protests. Uh, we had a protest from the 27 campaign outside of uh, Goodison Park that uh, was attended by um, a few hundred fans. Um, I mean, obviously, much of the much of the impetus for this is um, you know, this this struggle that we're having to land players. Um, you know, our financial restrictions, the losses we've incurred over the last few seasons. That there's obviously got that financial straitjacket around us. Nothing's going to change significantly unless, obviously, there's a takeover um, in the next few weeks, and that takeover brings with it you know, the, the sort of the commercial deals that will enable us to. Uh, to actually get to get in greater standing um, in terms of FFP, etc., um, but this isn't going to go away, um, and, and I imagine it's um, it's going to be a feature of the season. Um, quite how quite how much traction the campaign gets uh, is going to be interesting. Obviously, the, the the fortunes on on the pitch might dictate that, won't they? Well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what's the is it- Obviously, they, they, we, they want improvements. Uh, the, the, the guys processing, we all do, obviously. Um, more so off the pitch. Well, off the pitch and then on it, isn't it? And obviously, but is, what, what's the goal? Is it what get Mashiri out and get some new investors in who had enough? Mashiri came out, we want you gone, and we want somebody else to run the club. Is that is that the long and short of it? Just be careful what you wish for is the only thing. And you know, Mashiri's put a lot of money into Everton, um, a lot of investment, and done it very, very badly. Um, we could go on all day about you know, some of the awful decisions that I made. And if 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 there's somebody out there who wants to buy Everton and can do a better job, then brilliant. I'd love more so if just uh, Mashiri really, really realises his mistakes and really heeds, really heeds the warning from the protests. That would be a more ideal thing for me. I mean, I guess he's, he's delivering the stadium. That's one, that, that's one huge thing, obviously. Um, in terms of if Everton are going to get away from the shackles of, of being impeded by, you know, by, by finances, it's very, very important moving forward. So he's, he's doing that. That's that's coming along well. Um, yeah, I'm just low. I'm, I know I'm, I'm cautious about joining this. Like I want Mashiri out. I'd love there to be a better solution. If the better solution is he can, we can find a good buyer, great. Not that easy to find a good buyer. You know what I mean? It's, it, so it's um, it's just a tricky one for me. Um, you know, I'm not against people protesting at all. It's all done peacefully. It's all, you know, it's a, no problem with that whatsoever. But um, what 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 the person did, you stand up for what you what you think is right. That's a, that, that, that's fine. I'm just not sure. I I join in with it just now. I'd rather Mashiri maybe heeded the warnings more. And that said, maybe the process has stirred Everton into action this, this last week. All of a sudden, we got uh, we got signings. So maybe maybe it has triggered it. It certainly made an impact last uh, last season. Uh, the process, I think, as well, it stirred Everton into action a little bit as well. I think. Yeah, well, they tend to, you know, when when yeah. there is a um, an organised grassroots movement, there it normally promotes uh, provokes some uh, response from the club, which is only natural, and you know, and is actually it's a good thing because um, it shows that they're listening. Um, I think as we, I think it was on the last podcast that we discussed. I mean, I basically said that a Mashiri that's learned his lessons and and still has some money to put into the club once uh, once he's allowed to is um, is not the worst thing in the world by any means. 
um, whether he whether he will and whether he has heeded those those lessons from the past. I mean, time will tell. I, I mean, and clearly the um, the campaign as it did with the Blue Union about a decade ago is it, a lot of it's sort of centered around Ken Wright as the um, as one of the immediate targets, just because uh, you know he's been there for so long and he is unfortunately. Um, you know whether you whether you support him or not, he is a bit of a lightning rod for it because he's he's the he's the face of, you know whatever it is two three decades of of, of failure at the club. You know whether you can whether you want to attribute all of those failings directly to him or not. Um, and so, it, I, I completely understand this 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 impetus to try and bring in um, a bit more corporate commercial and footballing expertise onto the board because I think in terms of a board it's a very small board and there is a lack of genuine now so I mean Ken Wright few can few can match his experience in the game um, from what I can gather he, a lot of, he did a lot of the negotiations under David Moyes I mean he is a he can be a pretty good negotiator on his day um, and he's obviously well respected from that standpoint if nothing else um, in the rest of the game. Um, but as I say, he is, he's been there for so long, um, that I think it would just make sense for the club to sort of ease him out and to, to, um, I mean, I think that would give something to the campaign and the, the, the critics of the club, it would show that there is a sort of recognition that we need fresh blood. We need new ideas on the board. We need younger, you know, basically just younger people. Know, fitter, uh, more agile, you know, mentally agile to, um, to to drive this thing forward. And at the moment, uh, without those changes, it's very easy to, to, to sort of lob criticism at, at the board because, again, you've got the, the, the same figures in charge who have been responsible for this last sort of five or six years of what really has been fairly, um, fairly you know, catastrophic um, um, stewardship of the club. I think after the whole Palace game at the end of last season, there was always going to be a point where the adrenaline ran out, um, where actually, as a fan base, we got to a point in the summer where we all went, that was great, but we're still in the same hole, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I completely get the frustration in terms of, you see, well, it's, it's such a, it's such a kind of, an open public thing these days and with social media you, you see all these so-called targets come and go how true it is we don't know but I get the frustration I'd never mind anybody voicing opinions um and I think it was done in a relatively peaceful and kind of you know a, a, a positive way if there is such a thing um, mm-hmm. um but I suppose we just all have to accept that if it is going to be well, even if it's not, whatever whatever happens now with the ownership of the club, we're still at the same point in the food chain. So mm-hmm. finding players, improving the club, um, improving on the field and off the field is going to be the same challenge for anybody, I think, because of the way it's been run for the last five years. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if, 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 if those people gathering outside Goodison every now and again to make the point that, look, you know, we, we feel that we deserve better as a fan base. If that helps in any way, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind them. But um, I think it's going to be a lot of frustration, a lot of water under the bridge before we see any change because it's going to take time. 
it's going to take a huge time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Go on, Paul. Um, I was thinking that, yeah, and, you know, the, one, one thing uh, there is um, unity with the supporters is uh, behind Lampard. Everyone, you know, all supporters are mm-hmm. firmly behind Frank Lampard. Actually, just on that, like, is, is it just me? Or, or, are the press really sticking the knife into Lampard at every opportunity? <laughs> what's, what's that about, by the way? That. I don't understand that. Like, so, it's, my, it's probably, if, if anything, drives, like, Evertonians to like Lampard even more because it becomes this sort of, like, F you, us against, us against mm-hmm. them, us against the world mentality, doesn't it? Which uh, we kind of reveled in a little bit, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think that, I mean, the but ownership change might not be positive for Lampard and his coaching staff. Yeah, you know I mean, it might, it, it, it's uh, uncertainty, isn't it? Which might mm-hmm. translate down to the players. I don't know if it's, again, if there's that, you know, knight in shining armour available right now, ready to come in, who's going to connect to Evertonians, connect to the squad and the, and the management, etc. then brilliant. But yeah, like I say, just be careful with, with, with what you wish for with, um, with with change of ownership just like that, because it's, uh, it's, it's quite often fragile ground when that happens. So that's uh, that's my take, really. I do think it's a strange one with Lampard, you're right. I do think it's a strange one. If you look at someone comparable, let's say Steven Gerrard going in at Aston Villa, who I think, well, I think Gerrard, from the outside, I wouldn't say he was, he was barely criticised for Aston Villa last season. And they were awful. Um, yeah. Barring the good start he had, he had a really good start, which involved, obviously, when they beat us at Goodison. Um, mm. They dropped off a cliff and... I didn't see this kind of um, I didn't see this kind of mood towards Gerard in the same way that Lampard's got it. I don't know what it is. Stevie G used to play for Liverpool. What else do you, what else do you need to know? I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, the, if you're talking about a big a big six bias, you know. Yeah, but Lampard used to play for Chelsea in the same breath. I mean, well, I suppose that's true. Yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the character. I don't know, but um, or maybe it's an Everton thing. I'm not sure, but. But what well, well, you said, but as that as a comparison, there you said like Stephen Gerrard's um, his form went woeful. The Villa, Villa's form dropped off a cliff. Went terrible. He, sp- he spent quite a lot of money as well early doors. I mean, bought Luca Dean, got Philip Coutinho in. Yeah, I mean, they got yeah they got some uh, pretty big players in there, and they spent quite a lot in the summer as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they spent a lot on that squad pillar. <laughs> Where one to talk? I know, but like yeah, they've um, yeah they've, 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 they've spent a lot on that and. Yeah, it's 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 a fair comparison. Why why <laughs> why is the not why is the that talk about 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 Steven Gerrard and there's probably other managers as well who can probably quite quite thankful for. Like, he's a Southampton manager. Like what's at them mm-hmm. every season? Just losing about twelve games on a bounce and just about <laughs> finishing like fifteen. <laughs> he seems really highly regarded. What's what's that about? You know what I mean? Like so, it's mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's a strange one. And Lampard just come. I, I don't know. Obviously, I've always quite liked Lampard. I've always quite like his his carry always comes across quite quite well. I've always thought. He's always carried himself well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a bit more biased now because he could, because he's our manager, but I don't see a big reason to get after Lampard. You know what I mean? It's not like you know he's, he's not really controversial. He stands up for us. That's fine, but I'd, I'd expect that from a manager. Um, you know, he doesn't say anything. He's not he's not controversial. He's you know he's, he's not whinging a lot like other managers do. It's um, yeah, I find it a bit, a bit amusing, but that's a. Uh, Let's hope Everton can do do the talking on the pitch for them, eh? And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope that the more they do that, <laughs> I don't know, the, the the more the fans get behind them, and the more um, I don't know, the more the more just somehow translates onto the pitch to good performances. Because yeah, I do find it an odd one. Yeah, makes no sense to me. 
right. So uh, for our uh, weekly question, let's uh, let's circle back to um, transfers. And this week, uh, the question is: Who is a player, a realistic target, who you always wished Everton would sign, but they never did? Do you want to start, Lyndon? It's your um, it's your idea. This one, wasn't it? Yeah, well, actually, and um, it's actually ended up. I had this one in the back of my head way back when we first started the um, the podcast, and it's actually become quite pertinent because the player that I've always wanted us to sign was um, Perisic, who's obviously now gone to Spurs. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, I wouldn't want to sign him in the, in, you know, at the age that he is now because what is he, 32, 33? Um, but I'm going to be very intrigued to see um, how he does because he's the sort of player who I think is just tailor-made for the Premier League. You know, he's robust, he's quick, he scores goals. Um, so I'm, I'm obviously, I'm hoping he doesn't do too well at Spurs, but uh, he's he's the one player that, I, and we were linked with him a couple of times, I think under Roberto Martinez, um, but he's the one player that I, did, having watched him, you know, just tear teams apart at the World Cup and the European Championships, I, he was the one player I thought, well, yeah, if we could get him, um, obviously never happened, but he would be mine. Kind of the Konchelskis factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good shout, though. Um, yeah, I, be- I remember you-, you banging the drum about him for quite a while, Lyndon, at the time, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. You were writing a couple of articles <laughs> and many a tweets about how we should be getting that guy here. Um, yeah, he's a good player. Um, good to see him in the Premier League. Um, do you want to go, Andy? Okay. Um, mine is one that um, is relatively recent. Um, but I think at the time, all we probably would have needed was this player to keep on uh, progressing. And this kind of podcast we've just had would never have happened. Never have needed <laughs> to happen. um, so mine is um, mine's Olivier Giroud. Now, at the time we sold Lukaku, we, we still haven't replaced Lukaku in any kind of way or form. And obviously, Carver-Lewin is, is coming into a... A, a, a very good player now. But Giroud, having seen how he's been over the last, what is it, five years since we got rid of Lukaku, mm-hmm. um, he's still still a good player now. But even back then, a fantastic performer, a consistent performer, fantastic at bringing other players into the game, great finisher, fantastically good-looking. Um, all, of, <laughs> all of these things. All of these things. Um, there's something for everyone there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I might have got my missus more and more into Everton if that had gone uh, that way. Um, but I just think it was it was the it was the piece of the jigsaw that if we had managed to, because it was quite close, wasn't it? By all accounts, that he actually almost it had agreed to join us. But it oh, never yeah. really happened. I think Mrs. Giroud put the put the kibosh on yeah, it. Yeah. She didn't want to leave yeah. London. According yeah. to according to Mashiri, at least. I think I think to have the focal point of an attack at that stage um would have been the most important part, piece of the jigsaw going forward. And I think um that kind of signing could have encouraged others to come as well um i'm not saying now we by now we'd be in the champions league but mm-hmm. you know if we, if we consider like you know that, that what what did we finish when lukaku left did we finish sixth 
remember. Um, finished uh, sixth or seventh, seventh, I think, or I think seventh on the Kuman. It was the, the Kaku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seventh, and then the yeah. Kaku left and we finished, well, eighth actually on the Allardyce, but like, um, but yeah, it was a yeah. ter- good season you, though. Yeah, you can kind of see from that point the kind of the cracks start appearing. And I just think that a, a, a tried and trusted striker through that period of Everton history may not have led to us falling through our own floor. Well, I think it was the one area we needed to, like, we, we got several numbers. It's, it's funny, actually, because I've gone, like, super nerdy on this. And it's, it, we're along similar lines with this um, with this choice because uh, I made, like, the, the, the number sort of number 10, 10 sort of players, the number 10 sort of players that we that we signed instead of getting the strikers. We sold Lukaku and signed Rooney, Sandro Sigurdsson, uh, Vlasic on deadline day when we were crying out for a deadline day signing, and and then we also had Ross Barkley, so we didn't really, certainly didn't need um, all them number tens, and we didn't sign a striker, um, and we sold the best striker in the league pretty much. So, and you're right, and Giroud was yeah very close to signing. Um, I've taken a little bit, of, I took a little bit of a step further actually with mine, in that like um, on the basis that Giroud had knocked us back basically, essentially, and he, he decided he didn't want to come to Everton. In the end, <clears throat> so why was there no plan B then? Why was there no, yeah, why why was there nobody else to get like? And I remember at the time, well, Fernando Lorente just had a cracking season at Spurs. Okay, he was 32. And he went to Tottenham for like 12.1 million quid, um, which is a lot of money for a 32-year-old. Um, but mm-hmm. given the money we were throwing around then, I mean, we spent like 14, 50 million quid on Vlasic a couple of, a couple of weeks later. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, and then right then. So, you know, just someone who can fill that position, even just for like a stopgap for a couple of years. And as you say, I'm along the same lines as you, Andy. I've just that could have changed an awful lot. Everton might have started the season better. Kuman might have lasted longer. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been this. Oh crap! We've got to sack him and make sure we survive and get Ardice in. It might have been, you know, a, a different decision-making process altogether from that point on. Just by having a striker, he could have nurtured Calvert Lewin along better. You know, and stuff like that. You know, so um, yeah, it was very, very important one. So that was actually my one, Leventi, and the other one because I thought. I don't know. That, that might, might just sounded a bit weird and out there for Fernando Levante. Was the other one was when um, when Tim Kyle departed in 2012. I was looking and uh, I was staring right uh, straight at a ready replacement already playing in the Premier League. I thought in Clint Dempsey, who went from Fulham to Tottenham for six million pound. Mm-hmm. Okay, we had we had Fellaini then. Kelly, uh, you know, we maybe starting to move away from that style of Tim Kyle there, but Everton a very good place there, and then Tottenham pretty much went really I think Liverpool actually linked up at the time as well so it might have been difficult to you know to out out, out, out punch Liverpool on it but um, yeah that was a player I really really wanted Everton to sign Clint Dempsey and particularly from then he didn't really from what I recall play a great deal at Spurs it wasn't really a signing which particularly worked out for them either I think he did suited Everton very well um, so they had a couple of ones I I thought of and then I fought back a bit further I know you only asked for one <laughs> but like um, was, um, keep going yeah <laughs> <laughs> the other one was uh, when we signed James Beattie in uh, January 2005. And I think him coming into that system and playing as a lone striker, very nearly essentially curtailed our, our chances of finishing fourth. Thankfully, Ben ended up playing instead and Beattie mm-hmm. didn't really play, play out the season too well. It didn't really work, James Beattie, did it? Um, Yakuba at that same time went to Middlesbrough for a little bit more money. I know obviously we ended up getting Yakuba, but for a lot more money, had we got Yakuba then, Again, who knows? Maybe, um, you know, I think, okay, Kalina had a bit more of a role to play and was not getting into the Champions League, but maybe we might not have dropped out of the Europa League so miserably. Who knows? You know, we just had a bit more nouse up front and in the player like Yakubu. You know, it might just have made the difference on the European stage right then. Who knows? So, so 
yeah, there's my there's my three. <laughs> anyway, so that's a lot of food for thought, isn't it? All good shouts. All good shouts. My the one I used to bang on about uh, was um, Hakim Ziyech. So you know, <laughs> my my recommendations probably aren't the best. <laughs> I suppose the, I suppose the one that we had that I thought we have to sign this player was Manny Fernandez. Yeah, another very close run thing. Very close. And I thought, having seen him, and I was there for that United game when he scored that goal. Um, I thought we Everton have to sign this player, and we had a good track record at that point of bringing players in on loan, and 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 if we wanted them, they stayed pretty much, didn't we? Um, and I thought, well, there's the next cab on the rank is uh, off, off the rank is brilliant, um, and for whatever reason, I, and I just wonder that kind of I don't know that imagination and kind of um, the kind of bombastic player that he was. I, I don't wonder whether in that kind of in that very nicely structured Moyes team at that point. Who knows what that could have been? I mean, it could have been dreadful, but it could have been wonderful. Yeah, he was yeah. exciting, wasn't he? He came back on loan as well, didn't he? Like the next season, I think, as well. And um, didn't right. quite work out, I don't think. No. And, uh, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't have worked from the start if, I, if he had been. You know what I mean? But like, uh, it, might, it might have been different. But I was excited when we were linked with him as a permanent signing. And then, yeah, when we were seeing him at the airport in Valencia, going to, get, going to sign for them instead. I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> he was... Uh, I loved watching them. All them tricks and flicks against Arsenal that game and the goal against United. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time, wasn't it? Another one that got away. <laughs> okay, well, I guess so. we'll leave it there for another week. Um, possibly back next week. Definitely back after the uh, first game of the season, which is rushing headlong at us, uh, the match against Chelsea. Who knows uh, who will be an Everton player at that point. Hopefully we'll have a few more names to be to be talking about. Uh, but until then, um, enjoy what's uh, what's left of the close season, and uh, we will catch up with you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.